0: We are back. Your favorite podcast show of the week. This is Location Weekly. It's episode number four hundred and eighty-seven. We're recording live on October the nineteenth. Uh, Rihanna, how's it going?
1: You know, I'm a little sour this morning. Braves are out. Dodgers advance.
0: Yeah, don't really but... want to talk
1: much about it, but that's the reality, <laughs> you know. So, who are
0: we caring for? The Rays or the Dodgers?
1: Uh, I'm gonna go. Oh, I mean, I think the Dodgers have an incredible team, but I'm going to go raise one. i I lived in Tampa. My dad's yeah. from Tampa. Uh, not that he's a Rays fan, but also, you know, I think that, uh, you know, not that the Dodgers have won the world series recently. Right. But uh, they definitely have been one of the top competing teams and we don't get to hear much about the Rays, So I'm going to go with the Rays, I guess.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'm oh, going, yeah, going raise I mean, it's it's my division. I got to go for them. You know, so to chair for that American League East.
1: Well, if the Braves can't be, you know, the National League champs, then, then nobody should be.
0: <laughs> there you go. Um, cool. Cool. All right. Well, um, we've got a good show for you this week. Four stories that we wanted to cover off a range of interesting things here. Um, and I'll let Aubriana start us off as per usual.
1: All right, so our first story is really a partnership announcement between two different companies um, that offer services for mostly brick and mortar uh, stores and brands and those two are uh, Rakuten, I always have like the weirdest time saying that but apparently it is from a uh, Japanese word. And Brandify, who we've talked about lots and know pretty well, so uh, for those of you not super um, well into either of those companies, quick overview, Brandify is more about local listings, uh, brick and mortar locations, page views, uh, review management, all those things for, um, you know, brands that have multiple locations um, across, you know, the country or the world. And then Rakuten, you know, most of us know them for their cashback shopping offers that they sort of pushed, you know, you can kind of, it's like a plugin you can use or even an app that you can use. So uh, I'm assuming that their benefit is a lot of data capture and enhancement, and then you're getting cash back from brands and, and things that you already shop for, right? Um, so Brandify currently is serving over four and a half million brick and mortar locations and um, Rakuten has a um, you know specific couple, they, they have a lot of different business lines as well under their brand. And this story and this partnership is more focused on what is called the Rakuten Ready, um, which is like an e-commerce solution um, that connects bricks and mortar, brick and mortar stores to mobile first consumers. Um, and they have this order, is called order for pickup technology platform that they run so um this platform they work with a lot of brands like kroger and applebee's and petco nordstrom chick-fil-a uh, and so they use that for their pickup programs right um it was actually founded in 2013 as curbside and then it was acquired by rakuten and then they um in 2018 and then last year they renamed it for their order for pickup technology. Um, so early on, the reason why this this uh, partnership makes a lot of sense is like early on in the pandemic, as you know, a lot of our shopping behaviors changed. A lot of us were either doing curbside pickup or just home delivery. And so Brandify saw that there was like this huge influx of consumer demand uh, for contactless pickup, um, enhanced online services from, you know, tied to these offline transactions. And obviously Rakuten was seeing that they really needed a means for um, like a source of information about local businesses, which Brandify has. So I think this partnership is actually, um, I would say it's it's a very strong partnership and I like that they're both uh, have needs that the other is directly fitting. And I think that this is really uh, helpful. You know, Brandify has a, a slew of of competitors. And I think that this is something that really sets them apart. Um, and I like the idea of just putting that, that information in the hands of consumers when they're looking for it. You know, I use like the Chick-fil-A app a lot whenever I go, whenever I order, I almost always use it. Um, you know, Chick-fil-A is like one of my kids' favorites. So it's a special treat that we get to do, you know, once or twice a month and they're all excited about it. But I almost always use the app for either ordering ahead of time or, you know, just ordering and pick up. And this is the technology that is embedded in that to let them know, like I've arrived, I'm in the drive-through, however I'm picking up my food. And I think that it's um, a very good technology. It's very seamless. I've never had any hiccups with it. And the other thing is that, you know, I think that it's really hard to connect with what you need when you need it you know we've seen for example target put in those you know uh, shop online and then pick up in the parking lot and they bring it out to you which i love it's great it's convenient and i think that there needs to be more of that and this this type of a partnership really is is streamlining those offerings for stores you know you think of like a Did I say Petco or PetSmart, Uh, Petco, Petco. who, you know, maybe doesn't necessarily have the ability to build all of this themselves within their app and something that's readily available for likely two companies maybe they're already using and working with makes a lot of sense. So I think this is um, great uh, implementation of location based technology, mobile devices, good consumer experience. Um, So I don't really have anything negative to say about this. I think this is great. How about you?
0: yeah I, I like it a lot too I think it, it's a solid partnership you know both these companies you know have been around for a long time in, in their respective parts of the industry um, you know Brandify is like like old school right like I think they've been around since like the late 90s kind of doing yeah. early location uh, SEO management and things like that. And Rakuten, uh, you know, is obviously a company that's better known in in the Japanese market where they're from uh, becoming a big brand here. I see like TV commercials here in Canada, like virtually every day it's on the, like, you know, running on news channels and things like that, you know, for their, um, you know, their um, sort of rewards cashback program. So yeah, I think this is two strong brands coming together to provide something that's absolutely needed. As you pointed out, uh, a lot of these restaurant brands and these retail brands, you know, don't you know? Weren't ready for COVID. Obviously, don't have, didn't have the curbside pickup type of technology ready to go. Some have obviously built it and done well. Uh, others, you know, have been able to kind of integrate this, you know, third-party systems in, or just wanted to leverage the reach of something like like the Rakuten Ready uh, platform in terms of the consumer-facing side of it. But I think one of the the things for me that's really interesting here is is that. Um, you know the marriage between sort of that real-time delivery pickup piece and the sort of real-time information piece you know has never been more important than right now right like knowing whether or not a business is open what their hours are you know whether a locations shut down or has had a COVID case or you know whatever the case might be you know that is real-time information that you just need to have as a consumer you know, that's the stuff that, you know, Brandify can help with in terms of the, you know, the fact that they have all these local pages and, and, and the, the information at, at that truly local level uh, about what's going on in each of the franchises or each of the stores or that type of thing. And kind of marrying that up with the, uh, the you know, sort of the curbside technology, I think, is super interesting. So, yeah, I, I look forward to seeing where this is going. Um, you know, as you pointed out, too, the, I think there are Brandify has a lot of competitors in the marketplace. There are several other, you know, sort of technologies, you know, that fit into the same stack as curbside here. Obviously, you know, companies within our member base like Glimpse and people like that that have interesting technologies. Mm-hmm. I would assume that we're going to see similar partnerships get announced with the other players, um, you know, to kind of follow suit. It makes sense to me that, that you would um, kind of, you know, do a copycat kind of thing. So um, expect to see that for sure. Um, but I like it. I think it's a good partnership. Okay.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I, and I have to apologize for butchering their name. You say it so much better than I do. That's
0: okay. All good. <laughs> um, I'm sure I'm not saying it right either. I, I mean, uh, some Jap- <laughs> the Japanese would probably uh, kill both of us for, for mispronouncing that. But anyways, all right, coming back to Canada now, right here in Toronto, uh, there is a company called Zonetail. And this is a company that has a mobile app platform that's servicing the hotel and condo industry. Um, full disclosure, I am on the advisory board of this company uh, as well, uh, have been for a number of years. And they made an announcement this uh, this past week that uh, they're teaming up with a company called Radical Road Brewing Company to deliver high quality craft beer, wine, and spirits, and other beverages right to the door of condo owners. Um, now, if you've been to Toronto, you'll know that this city is uh, just chock full of condominium towers all over the place. Um, I read an article recently that, uh, and like recently being in the last few weeks, that one third of all construction cranes in the world are currently in Toronto right now so we're still building it's a booming market here Um, lots going on so you know big opportunities for companies like Zonetail but anyways what these guys do is they've got a an interesting mobile platform that you know as if you're staying in a hotel or you're living in a condo you know, you're able to kind of find, uh, you know, businesses nearby, deals nearby, restaurants nearby, you know, uh, you know, whatever um, nearby. And it's kind of like think of it as initially like the, you know, you know, in the old days when you used to go to a hotel, and like on the coffee table there would be like that book, you know, that was there with all the local businesses and it was like whatnot. Think about that just digital, uh, in an app. Um, that can kind of tell you what's going on around you um and then also integrate with you know the the building services you know for you know uh room service or wi-fi or you know i need towels or whatever the case might be um you know or or, you know condo services as well so that's kind of what 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 zone tail is doing and they've they've teamed up with this local craft brewing company uh to kind of really bring um you know, products to people while they're kind of stuck inside. Um, and so it's it's really about convenience. It's about unique products. It's about being purchased right through the app. So the whole purchase transaction piece is happening in the app itself and it's delivered right to, you know, right to their door. Um, so, you know, I think it's, it's probably the first of many uh, partnership announcements for a platform like this, um, but I like it because I think it's, we don't often, especially for the condo market, we don't often think about, you know, sort of apps and services for that community per se, right? We, you know, most people we would think, like, like you and I who live in homes, you know, we've got, you know, whatever we've got on our phone, you know, Retail Me Not and Foursquare and this, that and the other thing. And we're kind of looking around to find stuff, but to have something that's kind of purpose built for my building or my, the hotel that I'm staying in or what have you that's unique to what's locally right around me and it's curated and kind of, you know, put together in an interesting way. I think that's kind of cool. And, and to top it off, um, condo residents um, uh, get a 15% discount on all orders from this brewery that are made through the app directly, uh, along with free delivery on all orders over $50. Um, so that's pretty good. And do gets a little, you know, flat fee commission on on every transaction as well. So there you go
1: yeah this kind of reminds me of a company that used to be here in atlanta um, called scout mob and you know it was started by two founders here probably i don't know close to 10 years ago Um, and i used it frequently you could you know save different offers based on the neighborhood you were in and a lot of it was very like food driven you know food and beverage um and it kind of phased out but i think that something that's a little different here that i like that they're doing is one looking at uh what is the experience that somebody who's in a condo or hotel is wanting uh versus just anybody who's going anywhere um and two i think that baking in the the financial um you know exchange within the app is also beneficial so you're not just saving offers all the time but you actually have a little bit more to go on from an analytics perspective and reporting perspective and um also letting people know maybe what other deals would be you know uh, or offers might be uh exciting to them based on past behavior and also making sure that you can provide uh, user behavior to those businesses that you're onboarding so i think that this has um, some good legs to move forward and and further explore and i like the idea as well as like hey because i'm staying in this hotel i get an extra percentage off if i go shop here or eat here or you know um order uh, beer from here so I think that it's um it's nice to be able to have those unique offers and um and things especially when you're visiting a city so pretty cool yeah all right I'm moving on to something that's a little bit more scary and that is uh politics in the U.S. election
0: two weeks away <laughs> this is your
1: friend, you gave it to me um, okay, so this is, there, there was a recent article in Street Fight Mag um, that, you know, was talking about the use of location data for, for political campaigns and to influence the U.S. election. And I think this is really interesting because, um, you know, ad spending is actually one thing that is exceeding ridiculously, uh, you know, as opposed to, uh, for politics, as opposed to a lot of the other ad spending that has been Um, mostly, you know, halted, or at least is a lot less than was anticipated, um, you know, at the end of 2019, early 2020, before the pandemic hit. So um, it's going to be reaching record highs, topping 6.89 billion in this election, which is 63% higher than it was in the 2015-2016 season, which is crazy. Um, I mean, we're talking about more, you know, 63% higher is like just crazy. Um, so some of the use cases, they they discussed this, you know, the political advertising ecosystem with location data, with uh, the GMF sim simcasting, and some interesting use cases um, that were shared, some about, uh, you know, some large data organizations basically putting these methodologies around household propensity scoring, um, you know, and looking at the data that has spanned since maybe before the pandemic. And what does that mean for this household? Are they, you know, more apt to vote by mail-in ballot um, or wait, you know, going to a polling place on election day Um, and looking at their sensitivity to resuming to normal household activities. Another uh, use case that they looked at was uh, looking at devices of parents or teachers at existing charter schools and public schools. In order to determine an individual's proclivity as a stance in an individual election. I mean, you know, some of these use cases are very, uh, the, the third one I think is the most interesting because I think that it brings up a, a component of privacy and sensitivity that we talk about a lot. And that was gathering devices and device data um, where large scale events had taken place in support of racial justice. So, um, you know, they were looking at being able to tap into that that uh, audience or that segment, if you will. And although, you know, this article didn't necessarily talk about any of the negative things that could stem from this, I think there's a lot of things to take into consideration. When you look at people who have been protesting or been part of these demonstrations, um, you know, what is the kickback that could happen from here, right? What is the 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 pros sure like maybe you know that they're more um willing to get out and vote uh for your candidate um or for your party however i think there's a lot of questions that come at hand and at what cost um are these people who could be you know we've seen this this data used for for negative things like going after people for um you know various crimes or uh you know trying to figure out Things about uh, you know people's personal life and and I don't know if it's maybe harassment or not, but it's just you know there's a lot of concerns I think that start to to pop up when you think about this. So it's also been rumored that the location SDK that the Funware built Trump 2020 app um, is collecting is also maybe collecting you know it was built with the intention of Bluetooth data usage for within some of these rallies and and you know I guess providing a different and unique experience. However, I would assume that you know a location SDK doesn't just use uh, Bluetooth data. It's likely using GPS data. So they might be using you know collecting that data from users' phones as well to better understand who their consumers are. And also noted some data firms um that you know are are providing data because obviously when you get below these larger levels of candidates you're looking at data that is likely uh harder to obtain for smaller you know smaller candidates um you know for running for local office and so it noted certain data firms like data trust i360 target smart ld and pdi so you know i think that this data ultimately can be used for evil and i think we would all agree that there is some level of evil in politics uh, regardless of even you know party and candidate there's likely uh you know maybe more for some than others but you know i think that it just brings up a lot of questions i think that where location data can be very useful in in politics is better understanding what constituents want and maybe where you are having an impact and better understanding the areas of where a candidate is not having an impact or not uh, resonating with those people and finding out why, right? Finding out what it is those people want and what's important to them, because really as a politician, you're supposed to be serving the people and serving the people that are in your area, whether that's the country or you know a specific district. So I think that's where it should be v- beneficial. But when you're looking at a one-on-one uh, devices that are falling within certain you know protests or demographics and things of that nature i think it gets really uh questionable really fast so that's my take
0: yeah and i'll just pick up from that so 100 percent in agreement with questionable really fast um so if you, you might remember a few months back uh new york times did a piece on the government's misuse of location data or, or at least their interpretation of the government's misuse of location data because, you know, it was very clear, um, they had a lot of evidence to prove that the government was buying location data from commercial providers, uh, and using that data for, you know, tracking down uh, illegal immigrants, or tax fraud, or all sorts of different things that the government was doing with it. And, you know, when it comes to that, um, you know, I think there's, you know, the line is, you know, is really fine, right, in terms of what, you know, what people have consented to versus not. Um, and they're doing this, uh, you know, sort of in the same way that you or I could go buy location data, you know, and use it for an ad campaign. The government's saying, hey, we're a commercial entity like anybody else, and we're buying the data and using it in that way. Um, and, it, and, it, it, and you know, I think it doesn't quite um, work like that, right? So I know there's new bills that are going to be proposed this fall uh, to try and force the government to get a warrant in those types of situations uh, where they want to use the data in such a way uh, before they do so. Now, bringing that to elections, um, you know, I think when you're looking at, you know, as you point out to see whether people have been to certain rallies or, you know, uh, functions or things like that, you know, I think it, it it's, it, it's a really tricky thing, right? Because I think from a campaign mobilization point of view i think there's a lot of good opportunities to understand you know which way the vote might be going um you know early on and kind of how you can use that to optimize you know your on the ground resources to kind of go and try to knock on more doors or things like that and i think that to me that's a somewhat legitimate case if you're looking at it as a sort of audience segment kind of profile of what's going on in a certain city or neighborhood or things like that when it comes down to, okay, now I've got individual people um, that I've identified that I'm targeting with ads or things like that. I think it gets a little creepier and a little more challenging, especially when you're talking about political campaigns because it's not necessarily something that people opted into, you know, or agreed, you know, that they want to be, you know, sort of engaged in this way. And I think you know there's an opportunity to really, you know, sort of mess things up and and potentially it could could seriously backfire, I think, on you um, in terms of if, if somebody's sitting on the line, you know, as an, you know, kind of undecided voter um you know that could be quite interesting and then you know when you talk about the trump 2020 campaign and the funware uh, built app you know that was really designed for you know these big rallies and indoor events that they were going to be having and you know connected to beacons and other experiences indoors and obviously much of that's not happening as much as trump would like it to um so you know it's somewhat limited in in its use case there and i think in that environment i'm okay with it because it's sort of you've self-identified you're in the building you're at a rally you know, for a particular, you know, party or candidate or what have you, I think at that point, it makes sense, like, you're sort of consented. Um, and, and so I'm okay with it in that context. But I think there's, a, like, there's a lot of sort of gray area here um, in, in what's going on. And uh, we'll see, I mean, whether it's had any influence or not. I mean, it's not new, they've been using this data for, you know, uh, a number of years and a number of campaigns at state local level as, what, as much as the federal level. So we'll see.
1: There's so much more we could talk about, and this goes so deep beyond just yeah. the current campaign, but we'll pause to go to the next story. Yeah, so our <laughs> final
0: story, let's uh, just to, to, to lighten the mood, um, uh, we'll go to Taco Bell. Uh, yes, Taco Bell is uh, teaming up with a, a company called Sertona uh, AI, and they are really using artificial intelligence and predictive insights now to... Personalized menus uh, for their app users. And so I think this is quite interesting, kind of taking a page out of what McDonald's did with their acquisition of the Dynamic Yield, where they were really kind of focusing on sort of customizing some of the stuff in the uh, drive throughs and things like that. You know, Taco Bell is kind of really using AI now to understand what people are into, you know, at a unique personalized level and kind of delivering that experience uh, using Sertona AI in the app. Um, And so the goals are really to just, you know, just be relevant uh, to to present menu items, you know, up front that are things that they know, you know, should resonate with that particular user, um, you know, based on past purchase, uh, historical data, geographic location data, real time weather data. Uh, and, and pricing and kind of bringing those those elements all together to kind of really, you know, deliver something when you when you open that app up, that's that should resonate and should be, you know, unique. And I love it because I think it's again to kind of pick up on something I just said in the political discussion, you've consented, you have the app, you're a Taco Bell, you know, customer fan advocate, whatever. So, you know, why not take the extra, you know, sort of level of engagement here? With your with your fan base and really say that you understand them that you know them and you're delivering something that you know should be you know exactly what they want based on the predictive insights in the AI so I, I'm all over this I think this is where brands should be going who've who've built that one-to-one channel already with the consumer and um, yeah I, I don't have a lot to add to it because I think it's it makes perfect sense what they're doing
1: Yeah, I like this. You know why? Because you think of Taco Bell as something that's a low price point, you know, quick service restaurant, but you get to sort of tailor that experience for people who really enjoy and frequent the location, you know? So making something that is maybe not, you know, it's not like I'm going to purchase a Mercedes or, you know, I'm downloading the Burberry app, right? But taking something that I can afford to do on a frequent basis and I enjoy doing because I like to you know, eat chalupas or whatever it is from Taco Bell and making it something that actually is more about me and what I enjoy and my preferences and making recommendations based off that, I think is really smart. And I like that you can take something that's not super high end and make it still where you can have that value proposition with the consumer. And I will admit that I had a phase like two years ago, where I was really obsessed with their breakfast crunch wraps. It's really you
0: pregnant? <laughs>
1: uh, I probably was.
0: <laughs> but I was like, <laughs> it's
1: like a crispy, crunchy, like See? they, uh, they could have had that data point
0: in there. They could have had that data point wrap. in there. Pregnant women, Taco Bell. I don't know. Maybe maybe there's something in that so
1: oh i'm sure there is yeah i mean i only eat burgers when i'm pregnant so that's probably true as well (laughs) so yeah but i like this good good stuff here
0: so that's it that's our uh, our show for this week you've been listening to episode number 487 of location weekly Uh, we thank you for your time as per usual um Please reach out to us if you have story ideas. If we missed anything, uh, I know one thing I did miss. Just to mention, a shout out to uh, Ground Truth, um, who has new leadership. Uh, so check out Ground Truth, uh, new CEO over there as well. Um, and um, yeah, hopefully uh, they're they're off to some 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 good things under under the new regime. So we'll see how that goes. But yeah, if you have story ideas, reach out to us um and let us know we'd love to include it um if you've got uh, feedback for us uh or criticism we want that too uh give us stars give us likes on all the channels wherever you consume this and uh yeah uh we'll see you next week for for 488 uh have a great week everybody bye bye